0: to be more in that place of his, his presence. And, and one of the things that I really believe that, that God is, is wanting to do during this, this season where circumstances seem to be even beyond our control, things seem to be spiraling downward in the world, Okay, but we should not be surprised. And and it goes right along with what I want. What, I, what we've been talking about the last few weeks is, God is wanting to restore things in the community, the kehillah, the kahal, the called out ones of God. He wants to build a house of prayer, and that's what I want to focus on today. Is he is wanting to build a house of prayer? And you might think in your mind, okay, what does that look like? Does that look like the temple in Jerusalem? And no, it doesn't. Look to your neighbor. Look at the person next to you. It looks like that person next to you. It looks like you. That's what the house of prayer is. Several years ago, I was meeting with a friend of mine, Keith, and we were just talking about, he had on his heart to really bring churches and pastors together in the community and pray for revival. And things are like happening like that today, too. And I love that. I love his heart. And we were sitting eating lunch, and he, said, he asked me, he said, do you see yourself as a house of prayer? I'd never been asked that question before. Anybody ever been asked that question? And, I, and I've i been pondering on that for all these years, probably 10 years since he <laughs> asked that question. Do you see yourself as a house of prayer? You see, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, he says, know you not that you are the temple of the God and the Holy Spirit dwells in you? There's not going to be... Yeshua's going to bring his temple down when he returns, okay? There's not going to be another one built by human hands in the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, okay? Not a house of prayer. You, we are that house of prayer. And when we need to, we need to start seeing ourselves as that. And how many here want revival? When I say revival, I'm talking about uh, a coming from, the, from being dead to being alive. Okay, we all want to see revival, Right? Prayer is the foundation for any kind of revival, right. isn't it? Yeah. Think about it. Every, if you look through the history of revivals, everyone was birthed way beforehand in intercessory prayer, sometimes by just a few people. The Welsh revival started with a few ladies in their 80s, seasoned citizens, I might say on their knees praying for revival. And then it was a suddenly God's, just, it happened. And because people were in prayer, it's the foundation for any kind of revival. David understood prayer. And prayer, we've gotten, prayer's got a bad rap over the years. People think prayer is just, it's it's. Um, If I was to say, hey, Paul Wilbur's going to be in concert tonight, you know, this place would be packed out. Hey, we're going to have a prayer for revival in the city and for Israel. Six people would show up. And I'm not prophesying that. I'm just saying this has been the case. And yet God moves when his saints get on their knees and pray and depend on him to move according to their prayers. He wants to partner with us, and it's through prayer. David understood that. David had this heart of prayer. He brought even the psalm that we read today, Psalm 73, he brought his complaints about everything he was seeing. He wasn't naive, he didn't bury his head in the sand. He saw all the stupid stuff going on, and he Brought it to the Lord in a form of a complaint. But then he said, oh, but God, you are faithful and just. You will bring, you will establish your kingdom purposes. And that's what prayer is all about, is when we yield ourselves to him. And and David said that. I want to read a couple of psalms to you, a couple of verses from Psalms. Psalm 17, 6. David says, I called upon you, O God, for you will answer me. See, he had this assuredness that God would answer him. Incline your ear to me and hear my speech. You see, prayer is that place where we can go to the Lord and he listens to us. But the thing I want to ask you is, are we listening to him when he speaks back? And that's what we want to talk about today. See, prayer is, is I think we've understood prayer to be, I just bring my needs to the Lord. And then I go on my business and somehow God, because I brought my needs to him, I brought my petitions before him, he's going to do something. But when we, and this is what I want to talk about, the kind of prayer when we go before the Lord and we wait on Him and we're listening to Him and He energizes our prayers. I'm going to, I'm going to give us today some, some principles for how we can pray like that because I really believe this is the key to what God wants to do here in this city and in this nation. Starts on our knees. Psalm 141, verse 2. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. You see, our prayers is like incense before the Lord. He wants us to be like that. A heart that prays, and I'm going to be talking about praying from the heart today. A heart that prays knows two things very well. What are those two things? First of all, it knows that God is wonderful and therefore, it's the heart's highest delight. God is wonderful. God is awesome. Have you ever just sat in amazement? Have you ever been to the Grand Canyon? Anybody here been to the Grand Canyon? First time when you came to the Grand Canyon and you looked over the side, what, what, just what did you feel? Awe. Remember, we got first time we went there, Millie. We was like. We were staying somewhere, I don't even know where we were, Flagstaff or whatever. We had to get up like really early, 3 or 4 in the morning, drive to, and to be there at sunrise. And there's just something about that awe-inspiring. And God says, yeah, that was just, uh, you know, just a thought I had. <laughs> See, when we catch a glimpse of God and his awesomeness and how wonderful he is, That delights our heart. So in the midst of all the stupid stuff going on around us, we focus on, God, you are awesome. You're beautiful. And we start praising him in that way and lifting his name up. It delights our heart. David knew this. He was a man after God's own heart. When he was depressed, when he was discouraged, He always ran to God, and that's a principle that we need to be doing is running to God in our frustration, our confusion, our anger, in our outrage. How many of us have been outraged at some of the things? I was outraged. Okay. Let me just, okay, this is coming off, you know, a little aside, okay? Okay, we're talking about, or they're talking about putting new mandates on for masks and mandating vaccinations, which I am totally against any kind of mandated vaccination. I put my, I'm putting myself on the record for that, okay? That's between you and the Lord. I'm not going to say you need to do this or don't do this. That's between you and the Lord. And the same thing, I'm done with the shutdowns and masks. I'm done with all of that stuff. I'm done with all of that. Okay, and I'm frustrated. And that's when I run to the Lord in that frustration. Okay? And then, and then what really added to that, and then I find out, okay, you know, you've heard about all, what's the open, the border is open in this, in, in, you know, between Texas and Mexico. It's open. And they released 7,000 COVID positive illegal immigrants into the city of McAllen, Texas in the midst of this quote pandemic pandemic and, and they're not vaccinated and i'm like this is crazy but god you are beautiful you are awesome i'm going to focus on you you see this is what we need to do i'm just being real when we see these crazy things happening we need to run to the lord and focus on his beauty and on his what the wonderful who he is that's number 1 number 2 is his knows the heart that praise knows that it needs God for everything. The days of self sufficiency for his kehilah, for his bride, are done. How has that worked out for us to be self sufficient? Not good. So, our very breath and our very life. Our hearts and our lives are are empty and meaningless and devoid of hope without a connection to God. And that connection comes in that place of prayer. That's why he says he calls us to be a house of prayer. In him is my life and my hope and my, my very being. That's my source. He is my source, my connection. So prayer is inspired by, first of all, God's beauty. But it's driven by need. How many of us are needy? I mean, you might think, well, emotionally I'm okay. You know, I'm physically I'm okay. But you know what? We are so needy. We can't even live without God. See, we, as we gaze upon his majesty and his beauty and his glory, we can't help but realize, you know what, I fall short of, I fall short of that. I fall short of that. But I need more of him. The more we gaze on his beauty and his wonder and his awesomeness and his majesty, the more I realize I need him. Isn't that right, Abby? We need more of him every day. We can't get enough. When there's no prayer, no revival. Yeah, we can play, we can go to congregation, we can go to church, we can go through the hoops, we can check the boxes but no real revival. And you know what? There's no revival and this is and this is something that 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 that's mine and Millie's heart and I know it's our congregation's heart. There's no real revival without an intercessory prophetic emphasis on Israel. I hear a lot of people even today talking about revival desiring revival And revival is, is, you know what, it's, it's, yes, it's seeing people getting out of wheelchairs. It's seeing salvations. It's seeing healings. It's seeing the dead raised. It's seeing all that. But I believe it's also a church that sees God's purposes in Israel and the Jewish people in the last days. Real revival has to include that. Real revival has to have that prophetic emphasis on praying for Israel and the salvation of Israel. And for God's purposes for the Jewish people, which reminds me, if anybody's interested, this is another aside, there's going to be an outreach at Washington Park to the Jewish people, but to all people tomorrow at three o'clock at Washington Park with Turn Ministries if anybody wants to join out there. But it's a frustration to me when I see leaders desiring revival in an area, but missing God's purposes for Israel and his chosen people. We need an awakening of the remnant to see God's covenant purposes. That's what I believe. There's still a shaking that is going to be going on, and I really believe even in this next 30 days, there is going to be a shaking to God, for us to awake, awaken to God's purposes, and it includes Israel in the last days. See, we need a return of a desire to spend time with him. Because we've learned, leaned too much on worldly wisdom. You know, God sets it out very early in the scriptures in Genesis chapter 2. He says there's two trees that he specifically names. And you all know this. I've shared this. You've heard it all before. Two specific trees that God mentions in Genesis chapter 2. There's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Not the tree of good and evil, but the, the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. God says to Adam, you can tend all the trees, but don't eat from this one tree. It's the only Torah, it's the only law that was given to to Aaron, to to, uh, Adam. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Tend it, cultivate the trees, all the trees in the garden, but don't eat its fruit. And we know what happened. And we've lived and we see... The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, all we have to do is look at politics, government, media, even science and education. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. How's that worked for us? We've built a treehouse as a nation in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God is saying, No, I'm calling you back to me. He is life, the tree of life. And you can move from one tree to the other. You can repent from living out of the tree of the knowledge of good. And we need that. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with knowledge. There's nothing wrong with science and technology. Isn't that right, David? I I speak to him because he's an engineer. He knows how things operate, you know. But if we put our life, if we put our source, if we put our hope in all of that, we're going to be hurting. Isn't that right? It has to be in its proper place. You see, I believe when we ate out of that, when we're eating out of it, when, when a culture, when a nation, when, when a people eats out of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, there's no solutions. There's no shalom. Anybody sense any shalom happening around us today? And we restrict the expansion of his kingdom. We want to see the kingdom go forth. We want to see the, the kingdom expanded and eating out of the tree of the knowledge. I go on Facebook and I kind of, you know what, I've, it, it kind of draws you in. You come in and you start scrolling down. And then I see everybody's opinions. And everybody's, I got a plenty of opinions. You want opinions? I got opinions. And most of them are right. Okay. <laughs> but nobody cares about my opinions. Most of them are out of my knowledge, my limited understanding. I don't have the full picture like God does. But I always find people who I agree with. Okay? And I'm like, yeah, that's right. That's right. I wish everybody... How many minds have been changed by a Facebook post? (laughs) Oh, God. Prayer is the foundational walk for us to live in the Spirit. And it's also the essence of life in kingdom community. It's about community. Prayer is the essence of, of love, really. It really is. See, I can't, I desire to follow Torah and to live Torah, but I cannot live Torah without my ability to pray in the Spirit. Okay? Because there's things in, in Torah I don't understand. Holy Spirit, Hakodesh, show me how to walk this out. Show me how to live this. And he will show me how to live. Not according to a legalistic precept, but according to his spirit within me. Because now his his Torah, his spirit is is in my spirit. We've we've become one. Our spirits have become one. And there are things that I don't understand. And so, and I'm just going to say this, this is where I'm coming from. I pray in tongues more now than I have in a long time. And I want to encourage you to pray in your prayer language. Why? Because I can pray. The scriptures say pray with understanding. Pray in the spirit and pray with understanding. Both. I can pray things as I understand things. But then I run out of words. Anybody else feel like? You just run out of words. And pretty soon I'm just, hallelujah. I'm just praying in the spirit. And God understands that, and God responds to that because my spirit is connecting with his spirit. And also, the enemy understands what I'm praying too. You may not understand what I'm praying, but the enemy knows that too. But my connection is with the Holy Spirit, and I'm praying in the Spirit. I want to encourage you in these days to pray in the Spirit more than you ever have before. We need that. If you have a problem with that, a theological problem with that, I'd be glad to, you know, let's talk about that. See, I was fortunate when I came to know the Lord. I was 26 years old. I had no theological understanding. Raised in a good Jewish secular family, I knew nothing about scriptures except children of Israel crossing through the Red Sea. Maybe a few other things. That was about it. What? Noah and the ark, Yeah. That was it. So I was like a, I was like a child, and 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 I came into a, a a church, and and they were saying, well, you know, there's this there's this infilling of the of the Ruach Hakodesh, the Holy Spirit, and there's this speaking in tongues, and I'm like, I don't understand that. Well, let's hear her in the scriptures, and I started, and they prayed for me, and I started speaking in tongues, and I realized, you know what? I need that. I need that for my own. Edification. Does that make sense? So I want to encourage you to be doing that more in these days. Yeshua talks a lot about prayer. He teaches us how to pray. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. Therefore pray in this way. Our Father in heaven, sanctified, be made holy. Holy is your name. We talked about the holiness of God a few weeks ago. Yeshua said, this is how to pray. First of all, just say, thank you, Lord, that you are holy. You've been set apart. Sanctified. Make your name holy. And then he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's talking about how we pray. We see things in heaven. We say, Lord, let those things be done here on earth. Scripture that I found this interesting in in Psalm 109, verse 4. In the English, the ESV version, it says, In return for my love, they accuse me, but I am, he says, I am prayer, basically. And it says, in most, it says, but I give myself to prayer. But in effect, in the Hebrew, it says, but I am prayer. David says, I am prayer. And that's a good description of being a house of prayer. He understood the importance and the priority of being a house of prayer. Honestly, how would you rate your prayer life? You don't have to say anything, but Think about it. How would you rate your prayer life? And this is not a condemnation thing. This is not a, you know, you aren't praying enough, pointing the finger at you because it's always coming back to me. Because we we understand, we have this mistaken understanding that somehow prayer is, is boring. And, and prayer is for a few 85-year-old ladies sitting in the basement of a church somewhere in Wells or something like that. But prayer is for all of us. We're all encouraged to seek the kingdom and to seek his, 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 see what's happening in, in heaven and declare those things, proclaim those things to be done here on earth. And that's what prayer really is, is seeing what is in heaven and proclaiming that, that it would come to, be, to, to take place here on earth. You see, when we pray, and prayer is expressing our absolute dependence on God. I I don't have it in myself. I can't rely upon myself myself anymore. But it also releases authority in God. You see in prayer when God when we set ourselves to pray God says I'm going to give them the authority walk in, in the authority when we pray according to his word, it releases a greater level of authority that we have in him. In this current evil atmosphere, the greatest weapon that we have in our tool belt is not my anger or my outrage when I see things or, or voicing my opinion very loudly. It's not name-calling. You might think, it may feel, make you feel better for a few minutes, but there's no real authority in that. My prayer, my my authority comes when I'm in his spirit, when I'm praying according to his will. Amen. Are we Davidic? Davidic. Are we being prayer, like David said, I am prayer. Oh, hell David. A tent The tent of David, it's a place he was, he saw himself as that, a house of prayer. It's the antithesis of self-reliance. We cannot rely on our own opinions, our own understanding anymore. We're way beyond that. Our own ideas, our own imaginations. If we're not a house of prayer, then we actually become a place of business. Matter of fact, the scriptures talk about this. I want to read in John chapter. 2. Yeshua talks about this. Starting in verse 14. In the temple okay so he's talking about the temple in Jerusalem. but let's let's like talk about okay us being the temple here okay. In the temple he found the merchants selling oxen, sheep and doves and also the money changers sitting there. Then he made a whip of cords and drove them all out of the temple, both the sheep and the oxen. He dumped out of the coins. He dumped out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those selling doves, he, he said, get these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. Have we become a place of business interaction or are we are actually a house of prayer? What are we he says, stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. He is zealous over us. He wants us to take up that mantle. Just as they went to Jerusalem to pray, it was known as the, a, prayer, a house of prayer for all nations. And God wants us to be that house. House of prayer for all nations, individually and corporately. That's what He's called us to be. Not a place of interaction, not a place of a business, a marketplace. Prayer is dangerous. And that's good to know. Got really quiet. Prayer is also dangerous because suddenly he can show up just like he did in Jerusalem. Hey, they were just doing what they normally do. And this is the stead. They were doing what they had become accustomed to doing. Buying and selling, probably on the Shabbat, in the place that God said, no, this has got my name on it. This is a place of prayer. They'd become accustomed to that. And then Yeshua showed up suddenly, overturned everything. And he says, no, no, not on my watch, so to speak. It's also dangerous. I just want to give you a couple of illustrations for my own life. Prayer and how, how powerful that and how God can sometimes come on and just, you're going in this direction and God shows up and says, no, I want you to go in this direction. This happened several years ago, probably almost 30 years ago. Millie and I were, were, were leading a school uh, in the Middle East, a, a discipleship training school, and we had a staff person with us. His name was Paul. And a student, Nora, and unbeknownst to us during this, the, the, um, the lecture phase, um, they had developed a SR. Anybody know what an SR is? Special relationship. But we had rules. No special relationships between staff and students. But they were very good about it. They, you know, and, and they even came to us and shared, you know, hey, we have this... And um, so we're on outreach, and we're, of all places, we're in the Middle East. We're actually in Cyprus, and we're actually in Egypt. And um, we're in Egypt, and, and um, we came back to Cyprus. That was our, our home base. And Nora, was it Nora that stayed? No, Paul stayed. Paul stayed in Egypt. He really felt connected to the ministry there. Paul stayed in Egypt. And we go back to Cyprus, and Nora's there. Where's Paul? Oh, he's in Egypt. He's going to be there for the next month. And a um, while later, she comes back to us and says, I feel like I'm supposed to be with Paul in Egypt. And that was a no brainer for Millie and I. No way. No way are we going to send her to go be with Paul in Egypt. We just, you know, that's a, that breaks our rules, you know. It would be, you know, the, the, they would be at a base, the base, and they would be chaperoned. There wouldn't be, but we just thought, no, we're not going to do that. But we'll pray, pray about it. So we prayed. I remember that. We went into our room and we prayed. Lord, we know what you're going to do. And you're not going to say. And, um, and sure enough, the Lord surprised us. And he came and he says, no, they are to be together. And, and let them go. Let Nora go to Egypt. And so we came out. And we shared with Nora. Yeah, the Lord says go. They went and it went great. The rest of the outreach there, they ended up getting married, having kids, and there's Doing wonderful. But we could have just we could have put a kibosh on it if we hadn't been listening to the Lord. Even a few years before that, I was at a time in my life when we were just, Lord, what do you know, what do we do? And 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 you know, I felt God has called me to ministry, but I really wasn't into ministry. I liked my job, and we had a nice house, nice church, nice friends, comfort. We had everything going for us. And one day, I just went out just to say, thank you, Lord, for all the good things he's provided for us. And I'm out worshiping. It was a beautiful spring day in Washington State, walking around Capitol Lake. And I'm praying and just thanking him, just focusing on his beauty. And he dared to interrupt my prayer. And he said, Stu, you have become a slave to the American dream. And, and I knew that it was the Lord. It wasn't a con- condemning word. It was just this thought that came into me. But I knew it was from the Lord. And I said, yeah, you know, Lord, oh, forgive me. It wasn't a heavy thing. It was just, wow, that's right. Went home, shared that with Millie. And we had put our house on the market. Nothing had happened. So I saw that as a sign that, uh, okay, we're not to go into ministry because we can't sell our house. Nobody wants to buy our house. As soon as I released that and and repented and said, God, I'm going to do whatever you, our house sold within two weeks. And the Lord just confirmed that. So that's what I'm saying. It's dangerous when we set ourselves to pray. Three aspects of prayer really quick. It's God-centered. It's what I've been talking about. God-centered, we're fascinated by his beauty, hungry for his kingdom, urgent about his will. God-centered, it's all focused on prayer. See, we think prayer is about getting my needs met, but it's about focusing first on him. Not distracted by the evil strategies of the enemy. We're to be aware of his schemes, but don't be ensnared by them. If you watch the news, watch it for the purpose of intercession, so we know how to pray. I'm not saying don't watch the news. I watch some news. I need to know what's going on so that I can know how to pray in certain areas. Number two, prophetic prayer is powerful. When we begin to see, when we focus on his beauty, that's worship. We worship him. And when we begin to worship him, when we stay in the spirit, he begins to speak to us in that place of worship. When we love him, he shares his secrets with us. Just like a husband and wife, when they love each other, they share their secrets with each other. God is like that with us. When we worship him and we're in his presence and we're desiring more of him, he shares his secrets and that's how we pray, is when God begins to reveal things. And then we can pray into those things. Third, prayer, it works. Prayer works. It's a bridge between heaven and earth. Pray, pray, and never give up praying. Yeshua says this in Luke 18.1. Then Yeshua told them a parable to show that they should always pray and not be discouraged. Talks about he goes on to share about the parable of the uh, uh, the widow who just goes to the king all the time and just wears the king out. And finally, he says, "I'll give in because you're always bugging me." Never give up. I want to share real real quickly ten principles of intercession. And as a matter of fact, I want to hand I have them so you can carry them with you. Um, David, you want to hand these out to folks? Principles for effective intercession. I wish I could say that I developed these, but I didn't. I did not. Actually, um, when we were in Youth with the Mission, one of the, uh, the teachers, godly lady, I think she's still with us, her name is Joy Dawson. Anybody ever heard of Joy Dawson? Incredible woman of God. And she basically... They're not steps of intercession, in other words, step one, okay, finish that, step two. They're principles for effective intercession, and I just want to go over them really quick because this will help us, and, and I want, and there are scriptures that go along with that. I won't share all the scriptures that go along with this, but and if there's not enough, I'll make some more copies, but these are so important. Principle number one is praise God for who he is. Focus on his beauty. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. You are faithful. Begin a prayer meeting, a prayer session, or even your individual time in praising God for who he is. Secondly, make sure your heart is clean before God. He's holy. And he says, be holy because I am holy. So when we go into that place of intercession in prayer, we thank him for who he is, but then you search your heart and say, Holy Spirit, search my heart. Make sure our heart is clean before the Lord. If, we're, if we hold odd against somebody, you know, we really can't pray effectively for that person. So search your heart. Thirdly, acknowledge you can't really pray without the direction, without the energy Of the Holy Spirit. That's where I'm talking about. It's not about self reliance anymore. It's about relying totally on the direction and the energy of the Ruach HaKodesh in us. Our prayer needs to be energized by the Holy Spirit. Number four, deal aggressively with the enemy. What do I mean by that? The enemy does not want you to be praying, first of all. He will bring all kinds of opportunities for you to not pray. He will distract you. You have authority over the... You can bind his attempts to distract you. He can try to confuse your mind. You deal with the enemy so that you can pray as a clear... There be a clear vessel between the Father and you. I encourage you to put on the spiritual war, the armor that we read in Ephesians chapter 6 before you do this. This is just preparing ourselves for meeting with, with God. Deal aggressively with the enemy. Number five, this is an interesting one. It says, Die to your own imaginations, desires, and burdens for what you feel you should pray. Now, does that mean to desire, do you die to your own thoughts and get rid of your own thoughts, empty your own thoughts? No, I don't think that means that. But how many of you, you know, you're, you're going to go into a prayer time, a prayer meeting maybe with somebody else, and you have a burden on your heart, okay? And you've been kind of thinking about it, praying about it, and you want to just, and you bring that in, and it may not be what you're to pray for at that time, at that particular meeting. Hmm? Uncle Billy, he, you just found out, he's, he's in the hospital. And you pray for Uncle Billy, and that's fine. But you go into a prayer meeting with other people, and you're praying about things, and you might need to put Uncle Billy aside to hear from. The Lord might have you lead it, go into another direction. Died our own imaginations, desires, and burdens. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. And there's some scriptures that go along with this. Proverbs 3, 5, 6, lean not on your own understanding. Proverbs 28, 26, he who trusts in his own mind is a fool. I'm not saying those things that are in your mind are wrong. It's just when you're praying, lead, be led by what Ruach is saying to you, by what the Spirit is saying to you. Number six, praise God for remembering for a remarkable prayer meeting. In other words, have you you've gotten you've Preparing, now you praise him even before he speaks. You say, Thank you, Lord, we're gonna have an awesome time as we meet. That's the expectation that God is gonna to speak to us in incredible ways. And then this is the hard part, but this is the most one of the most important steps right here. Number seven, wait before God in silent expectancy. Listen for direction. Prayer is not just a bunch of people babbling in words. It's waiting on the Lord. We've set our hearts right. We've dyed our own imaginations and thinkings. And we've praised him. We've thanked him for who he is. Now, God, you speak. And it may be quiet for a while. And it's always good to have, when you're praying, just have a little journal. How many pray, pray with a journal? Write things down as God speaks. That's always a good thing. You wait for the Lord. We used to do this in Youth with the Mission every morning. We would have prayer, intercessory prayer times. And we'd come into groups. And at first it was kind of awkward because you're learning new people you don't really know. And you're praying together. And this waiting thing. Wait on the Lord in silence. And then, and, and then God would begin to speak. And, and then we would go around and say, did God speak anything? And the Lord would, yeah, Millie,
1: Sure. Sure. So this was a very, uh, one of my stories from Youth with a Mission. Um, so at the time of the waiting before God in silence and expectancy, um, we listened. And this is when God started developing in me the seeing of pictures um, so we were sitting there and we had gone through all the previous steps of cleaning our hearts and, and you know, binding our, uh, the enemy and putting on our armor and all that. And as we were sitting around, we just listened to God. And I got a picture of a white truck sitting at a border and somebody else had written down a scripture and somebody else had um, a picture of hungry children in an orphanage and um, I can't remember the other, oh, somebody got a country, a country name, and So we all had written down what we received, and then we shared it with the leader. And from all of that, the scripture was the one in in James about helping the orphans and widows. And so we prayed that through, that we figured that maybe there was a white truck being held back at a border or wanting to feed the orphans, you know, and there was orphans that were hungry. We weren't totally sure of what was going on, but this is how we prayed. And two days later, we heard on the news that in this country that this person had received, there was a a UN truck that had been held back and wasn't allowed to be released through that had all this food. (laughs) that was supposed to go to this this refugee camp where there was hungry children and people waiting for food. And the, the time that we were praying for it to be released, it had been released through. And so we were participating with God at that time in prayer. We were listening to what the Holy Spirit was saying, and we were helping our prayers in the release of this truck. And so it's really kind of exciting when you're, you're, you know, working with the Holy Spirit in prayer. Amen.
0: I can't tell you how many times people have told me experiences just like that. But even so, you may never hear of the results of your prayer, but God moves when we pray together. He really does. So I want to encourage you to do that. And number, um, point number um, eight is, goes along with seven in obedience, faith and faith. Utter what God brings to your mind. No matter how silly it may sound or maybe it doesn't even go in line with what other people are praying or whatever, but just be faithful to what be obedient to what God speaks to you. And, And like people had different pictures of that scene and One by itself didn't mean anything, but when you put it all together, it kind of came together. Does that make sense? And use the scriptures to receive confirmation. God will always move and act according to his word. A lot of times, and he usually he'll give to me, he'll either remind me of a part of a scripture or even a, the the um, where the scripture is at. A lot of times in my prayer, he'll give me that. That's how God speaks to me a lot of times is through a scripture. And it may go along with a picture that Millie has. So that's what I mean. It's all it's so important. Always have your Bible there. And then um, finally, when we, you come to the, you pray things through. And that's another thing is pray through until you feel like, the Holy Spirit has revealed things that he needed to do. And then you praise him for who he is and thank him for the answers to prayer. So those are for you guys to to use and, and they really it does work. And God is calling this is this is how he grows us up to be that that place of of that that um, that place of prayer. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Scripture talks about the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Mm -hmm. And you have that anointing for prayer. And I am asking you to release that impartation, that grace gift to get people to pray because they can choose and make a decision. But if if the ruach needs that impartation because we are in that state that we need that impartation Mm -hmm. from. Amen. That's like I say, there's everything, there will be every distraction in the world to keep you from praying. And because the flesh is weak, but the Spirit wants us to be more in that place of prayer. And I'm going to release that at the end of And I'm just, just finishing up here. All prayer has a c- centrifugal momentum. What do I mean by that? Is when we, we, we come together and we focus in on who He is and what His purposes are. He will give strategies and directions and will always affect other people and circumstances outside of our little group, okay? So it's kind of like, you know what, centrifugal force. It's like it's, it starts in the center, but then it works outward. And you've been on those rides at the fair where, you know, you're, you're kind of stuck to the wall Because the centrifugal force, and you can't move. See, it's always moving outward, and that's the same thing with prayer. It's about, it's our relationship with the Lord, yes, but it's also relationship with people and speaking in the circumstances. It affects our communities. It affects everything beyond our communities. Prayer is an essential ingredient in our life especially in these days. Any revival, like I said, it starts in that place of prayer. You know, the two laws that we see throughout the Scriptures, love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor, okay? So we pray individually, but we also pray together as a community. See, revival restores his presence, and this is what I want. Would you stand with me as we... Prepare to close here. Revival, when we want revival, it will restore his presence and desire for his presence. It will restore joy in our lives, holiness, a sense of holiness, where where we come into his presence, God shows us our sin. We want to deal with our sin. We want to get rid of that sin so we can enjoy his presence. You see, where he is, he's holy. We can't be sinning in his presence. It's just you just can't be that way. Revival will restore prayer and that's what I'm, I'm hoping and praying and desiring that 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 there will be such a burden to pray for his purposes here in Denver and Colorado this nation for Israel that will keep us going 24/7. His desire for missions, for us to be an answer to our own prayer. I prayed for two and a half years with a bunch of men. Every morning from six in the morning until eight before we went to work. I became an answer to my own prayers because we were praying for missionaries in the ministries within our church that we were part of. And God says, I want to send you. This is what God is doing. I just want to close and and just read the last verses of the book of Jude. Jude chapter 1. There's only one chapter in Jude, but it's powerful. We're reading this last night and it's just so powerful. And it talks about I won't read the whole, all the earlier verses, but in Jude, he talks about all the evils that's happening around him. People who are just complainers and and evildoers and false prophets. All these people are coming up. And they seem to be prospering. That's what the book of Jude talks about. But then in verse 20, Jude turns it around and he directs it towards the Lord. He says, verse 20, but you, loved ones, continue building yourself up on your most holy faith. Praying in the Ruach HaKodesh. See, with all the stuff, and the first thing he says, build yourself up in the Holy Spirit and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God Eagerly waiting for the mercy of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who are wavering. Save them by stretching them out. Save them by snatching them out of the fire. But on others have mercy with fear, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. And then he closes with this hymn. As you can just see, Jude just kind of just focusing on how holy and how awesome and how amazing and how majestic is the Lord he says now to the one who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God our Savior through Yeshua the Messiah our Lord be glory and majesty and power and authority before all time both now and forever amen Amen, amen. Father, in the name of Yeshua, this is a season where you are building your temple, your mishkan of prayer in us, individually, but also corporately as a community. Father, I pray that there would be such a hunger and such a desire in each and every one of us, Father, to seek, to beseech your kingdom and to see your purposes and your kingdom purposes fulfilled on earth today as it is in heaven. Lord, I pray for an anointing, a greater anointing as prayer warriors for this body right now. Lord, that when... when when, this, when Stu says, hey, we're going to have a prayer meeting for, for Israel or for the state of Colorado or for our government leaders or for our educational system, people say, wow, all right, we're going to be praying and seeking the kingdom purposes. Father, I pray that there would be an anointing released in Yeshua's name on each and every one of us, Father. And that out of that consecration to you and desire, heart's desire to pray more, Father, you will do wonderful and mighty things even in these next days and weeks, Lord God. And Lord, that you would give us eyes to see the supernatural things that you will be doing. And God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear what you are speaking to your bride. The Spirit and the bride say, Come. The Spirit and the bride say, Come. The Spirit and the bride say, Come. The Holy Spirit wants to release secrets. God wants to release His secrets to His bride, those who love Him or are consecrated to Him. He wants to release His secrets to them so that we can pray into them and see them manifested around us in our families and in our communities. B'shem Yeshua HaMashiach, Lord. Mantle us, anoint us with a greater desire for prayer. B'shem Yeshua HaMashiach. amen.